0: to full service radio
1: full service radio full service
0: full service full
1: service
2: full service radio
0: died, wine, burned, turned, black,
2: Welcome to beer me on full service radio broadcasting live from the line hotel in Adams Morgan Washington DC. I'm your host Sarah Jane I live work I love beer here in DC. During my time at culinary school, I gained an appreciation for good beer and continued my studies in beer at grad school at NYU. Since then, I've been a beer director, beer bar general manager, and I get to continue to explore the beer world with all of you wonderful listeners. Every week, I will have a different guest from different parts of the beer world, brewers, importers, bartenders, educators, uh, to help us explore this fascinating and dynamic world. Whether you're new to beer or a seasoned professional, we have something for you. So today, on this actually beautiful Monday morning in Washington D.C., I have the co-founders of Aslan Beer Company, Andrew Kelly, and Kai Liskowitz. Uh, Aslan Beer Company opened in uh, 2016 in Herndon, Virginia, and they have exploded across the beer world. Um, beer nerds all around have stood in line for this beer. Uh, very, very uh, difficult to get a hold of as of late um, They make really, really beautiful hazy New England style IPAs uh, Berliner Weiss, some stouts And uh, they currently have a pop-up uh, at the uh, Nat Stadium A little pop-up beer garden, which I've had the privilege of going to Really, really beautiful little spot, great beers There's typically a food truck there for food uh, So Andrew, Kai, thank you both so much for coming in today
3: Thanks for having us.
2: Yeah, I got you right, right? The intro, all right. <laughs> so, uh, I do want to talk a little bit about your pop up right at Nat Stadium. How has that been going?
3: It's been great. Um, it's it's extremely weather dependent, but uh, we're just selling cans um, out of our reefer truck. Um, we're open for all of Nat's home games and going into June and the remainder of the season. We're hoping to be open every day.
2: Oh wow! So, and you've have you had people who? You know, have never heard of your beer before? Or do you have you know the serious diehard beer nerds who have like followed you from Herndon to the Nat Stadium, or do you mostly just get people like right before the game?
3: Yeah, it's actually been a surprise. We've we've gotten a lot of new customers out of out of the beer garden. Um, Aslan is well known in the beer nerd uh, community, but mm-hmm. this has shown us that we have so much more room for growth outside of that for the everyday or even average um, beer consumer.
2: So you're still a fairly new brewery, and you opened up when in in 2016, early?
3: We've actually opened up um, September 2015.
2: 2015, okay, sorry about that little snafu there. Um, And the name of the company is for, it's the maiden name of your wives, right? Because you both, you married sisters, right? Yeah, we did. So... (laughs) So tell, tell this story. Tell, tell us how you kind of came to be.
3: So, God, maybe 10 years ago, mm-hmm. um, my wife got me a homebrew kit. Didn't know Kai existed at that point. Um, and, he does exist. Uh, yeah, he does. I am real. <laughs> You're not just a figure of my imagination. Mm. No? <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, so uh, my girlfriend at the time got me a homebrew kit. Same thing with, uh, I believe they were engaged at that time. And your girlfriends um, are sisters. Yep, mm-hmm. they're sisters. Um, Kai lived in Houston. I lived in the D.C. area, and um, we both were homebrewing separately mm-hmm. for fun, um, kind of like a uh, hobby outside of our everyday work schedule. Um, Kai, um, I met Kai at a uh, family function Thanksgiving, uh, Christmas events, and we just hit it off talking about craft beer and what beers we liked, what beers we were homebrewing. And um, kept that relationship going via email text, um, calling each other, visited him in Houston, he made some beers, tried his beers. He ended up moving back to uh, the D- or moving to the DC. area, not back. Mm-hmm. And um, just to establish our relationship, we started brewing together, and decided we really liked it. We, we got along and established a uh, solid friendship from there. And um, you know, he got married, I got married um, into the family we were brewing probably twice a weekend mm-hmm. at that point. Um, almost opened a brewery in the Charlottesville area. Mm-hmm. God, that was 2013, um, decided to pull back, hone our recipes in. And, uh, I was living in London, came back in February of 2015. And was like, all right, Kai, we got to do this or I'm going to move somewhere else. So I, I was getting kind of bored of the DC area at that point. Yeah. Um, and my, and my job was kind of, uh, hectic. So, uh, I was like, "All right, I'm cashing my 401k in." I did the same thing, and we took the leap.
2: Nice. So, okay. So, what did you envision? Like, you know, your two beer guys on a weekend brewing beer together, thinking, "Oh man, we want to open a brewery." Like, what was your what was your picture? What was kind of like your inspiration? Like, oh, we kind of want to be a little like this and a little like that, but with our own spin on this. You know, what were some or some breweries or what were some Producers that were like really, really inspiring to I, you.
1: I drank a ton of Two-Hearted that summer, so.
2: Nice. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I wanted to make beers like Two-Hearted.
2: Two-Hearted from, from Bell's Brewery. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And
1: um, Dale's Pale Ale, I was crushing a lot of that too. And just, we wanted to make a product that was craft and approachable. Mm-hmm. And we fell into the gap of doing what a lot of brewers do, which is they make a style for every person, um, meaning the range, like really go a white, a wheat, a brown. You know, things that don't exist anymore, like, you know, uh, Cascadian style, black IPAs, uh, things like that. We, we're doing all of it. And we're like, oh, we'll make all this on a small scale and we'll be like the watering hole for our town. Mm-hmm. And Drew and I spent a lot of time thinking regionally where were breweries located, which is why originally we lo- we thought Charlottesville and then pulled back, is because there were no breweries in our home area, which is Fair- at the time Fairfax County. There was only a handful of people Like Mad Fox, which has been around for a few years. And we're like, this place is missing like an intimate brewery that's approachable for everybody. And then when we start brewing the beers in 2000, the summer of 2015, started going like, okay, well, I don't really like these beers. Why are we doing this? If this is like our life going Mm -hmm. forward and we're going to put all of our money on the line and convince our wives like this is a smart endeavor, then why are we making these products that we're not passionate about? So we quickly changed to doing the things that we were doing as homebrewers, like New England and Hazy and things that were juice bombs or whatever people want to call them. Just stuff that was true to us.
2: Yeah, I noticed. So I was, I was doing a little research here. And for those of you just uh, tuning in, I'm sitting down with Andrew Kelly and Kai Leskowitz from uh, Aslan Beer Company. So your opening lineup um, was a double rye. Ri- ale a kolsch stout ipa double ipa saison session ale and a whip beer mm-hmm. is that yeah that was correct good yeah, research eight, Yeah, eight of them yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> and more recently um you know i was looking at the cans that you're releasing now and it's double ipa double ipa double ipa double ipa mm-hmm. uh session ipa uh Czech pilsner and a Berliner Weiss with Passion and Mango. Mm-hmm.
1: There might be another double IPA in there. Double
2: IPA <laughs> and, and another double IPA.
3: Probably a triple IPA. <laughs> triple IPA.
2: <laughs> I know one was labeled a, a double imperial IPA. And I was like, wow, really, really going for it. <laughs> <laughs> so you you have essentially found a, a niche. Um, and, you know, in, in an article you have uh, quoted that, uh, make beer that we like and that's how we determine our portfolio.
1: That's still true. Like, yeah. Uh, when you look at that and are listening to you mm-hmm. rattle off double, 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 right?
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just what you, it's just what you yeah. enjoy. It's, a, yeah. it's
1: obnoxiously what we, we enjoy. And the Czech Pilsner is 100% for us as brewers. We didn't do that for the consumers. We, are, we have a brew system that's German-made. It's designed to do triple decoctions. Mm-hmm. We think that's fun and challenging as brewers. And then we just change the hops up. It's, yeah. A lot of brewers would tell you they, they look to drink lighter beers that are mm-hmm. brewer beers, not necessarily part of their main portfolio. And we do a lot of that.
2: Yeah.
3: We, we brew the lagers to drink in between our shotguns, right? That's absolutely mm-hmm. true. Yeah. <laughs>
2: oh, you, please don't <laughs> tell me you shotgun a double IPA tall boy. Yes, uh, we do. Only triple IPAs. Only triple IP <laughs> <tall> <laughs> Well
1: Actually, we can go into this. One of our, our um, rituals for other brewers when they visit us mm-hmm. is before they can do anything or enter our brewery, they must do a shot and a shotgun, and it's our choice what they're doing.
2: And most of your double IPAs start at... 8.5% ABV and go up that, from there. That's correct. Ah, okay. All right, so that's, that's quite an initiation. For you'll, you'll have
3: to come visit. I
2: can <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> uh, so actually, I was reading about uh, an interesting beer that you all put together called Raging Rabbit. <laughs> uh, so this is a double IPA inspired by Trix cereal, mm-hmm. uh, which is for kids, the as I recall. The this is
1: a little lengthy. Yeah. So... If you look at the, the total title there, it's Progeny Beer, mm-hmm. and then it has a beer name, Raging Rabbit. Um, Andrew and I were looking at the industry, and sorry, this is gonna be a little long. So, Do it, yeah. Um, we're looking at what are important key elements to our business, mm-hmm. and one of those things is retention. We wanna make sure that the employees are happy. Um, They're trained well, they're technical, and then they're highly compensated for their skills and abilities. Mm -hmm. And um, so one of those things that we're doing to increase retention and kind of incentivize the guys to work is we created a project program, which essentially is the brewers contract within Aslan. So they all have their own label, all of our brewers, Bo, Joel, Scott, um, and then any of the other team members that want to come into the program have to become a brewer first. So we have two or three other guys that are eligible for the program this year. But anyway, in Progeny, they get free range to do whatever they want to do. They have to come to Andrew and I, and the stage. The first stage is like, here's the style of beer I want to make, here's the ingredients I think I'm going to use, here's how I'm going to execute it. Mm-hmm. And this one is Bo's first. Um, he actually went above and beyond and did stage two and stage three, which is create a budget, show us what your costs are going to be, show us what you think your net margin or revenue will be, and then if you do it correctly, and these guys are all doing it on their own time, and they execute and meet their numbers, they get... To share in that profit as part oh, wow. of like an incentive bonus program.
2: So this this beer is actually brewed with tricks in the beer.
1: Yeah, I believe used like fifty or sixty boxes in the mash.
3: 400, 400 pounds.
1: Oh so my gosh! Hours. Which
2: I'm I'm very curious how that. I mean, I guess that's. I mean, that's a lot of just fermentable sugars, mm-hmm. I suppose. Mm-hmm. But how has that? How did that react with with the beer?
3: Well, well, he. Um, I believe he did it in the World Bowl, right. that's correct. Uh, it extracted some flavor mm-hmm. um he also added some um, lime zest orange zest lemon zest a little bit of grape juice yeah um a few of the other uh key flavors of tricks mm-hmm. in the whirlpool it it was good um for me it was a little sweet but it was mm-hmm. it was meant to be sweet it's meant to be um similar to drinking the milk out of out of the bowl after finishing your tricks
2: yeah cereal milk
3: yeah mm-hmm. i mean we, we've done cereal beer before we did a uh Cinnamon toast crunch inspired beer, which mm. again was supposed to taste like the milk after eating the cinnamon toast crunch.
2: Nice, um, and so this has been well received. Yeah. Seems to be, yeah. yeah.
3: People, people are loving it. I mean, it was a, it was a low, low case count, so um, that that kind of created this this hype behind behind the beer. But overall, it's getting positive reviews.
2: Nice. Well, we're gonna take a quick break, and we'll be right back uh, with Beer Me.
0: The theme music and the break music here on Beer Me is the legendary Nag Champa Art Ensemble. This is a live at Songbird recording from a few years ago. It's Jamal Gray's project. Find it at SoundCloud.com slash Nag Champa. We'll be right back.
2: Welcome back to Beer Me recording live at the Line Hotel. Service Radio. Uh, I'm sitting down with the co founders of Aslan Beer Company, uh, Andrew and Kai. Again, thank you both for coming in. So, we were just talking about some of their uh, special release beers as well as, you know, kind of their lineup, which is definitely uh, heavy on uh, New England style IPAs, double IPAs, uh, imperial IPAs, highly recommended to be shotgunned. Um, so, I do want to talk about your location. Uh, you opened up in Herndon, which, as somebody who grew up in the Northern Virginia area, sounds really great because you're right. There is kind of a, a vacuum there. Um, but I recall early or le- sorry, late 2016, you announced that you would be moving uh, from Herndon. Um, and then now we are mid 2018. Are you s- still in Herndon?
3: Yeah, so originally we chose Herndon because okay. of the small-town feel. Mm-hmm. Um, Kai lived in Herndon at the time. Um, our third co-founder, Richard, lived in Reston. I was floating around between Arlington, and Falls Church, and now live in Herndon. Mm-hmm. Um, end of December, we uh, closed up shop for um, on-premise sales mm-hmm. and solely doing those bottles, but quickly transitioned to cans. Um, and we decided that um, because of some... Misfortune with um, local municipalities. We were going to leave Herndon. Um, things went better through 2017. We found a spot in Herndon that we wanted to open a tasting room. Mm-hmm. But as we quickly were growing, we decided we needed to also move outside of Herndon because of production caps um, to meet our demand. So
2: they have they have caps on production in Herndon. He's
1: telling the very polite version of the story. <laughs> okay.
3: Um, so yeah, so you can only brew five thousand barrels of beer. Ah, a year okay. in Herndon per license, and we're already past that. So luckily, we have two licenses: one in the downtown Herndon section, and mm-hmm. one in our current industrial um, facility. So we can do ten thousand barrels, but um, we will be outpacing pat- that probably end of next year. Okay. So and
2: did you run into issues with like having a tap room or something? Because we we talked previously on the show about you know different. Uh, restraints that breweries have with tasting rooms and you know how important it is to get involved with your local government and you know kind of campaign for these, you know, different things. So was that the issue?
3: It was a it was an occupancy issue. Okay. Um, and that so, too many
2: people were in the brewery and well, it was well so
3: Yeah, so I'm
1: frustrated with that question? <laughs> I'm yeah, so sorry. So, no, no worries.
3: So we had an occupancy number of uh approximately sixty people. Okay. Um neighbor called the fire marshal on us. Mm-hmm. We had maybe 100 people in the in the brewery. Okay. So we had to um, ask 40 people to leave. This was during a huge bottle release. We hadn't released beer to go in approximately two months. Oh, I um, see. During an expansion. And um, bottle
2: releases are incredibly stressful. Yeah,
3: we did everything online. So yeah. we sold something like 6,000 bottles that day.
2: And you have a ticket system. Yeah. We, so that way if somebody shows up and is in line forever and then they finally get to the front, it's not like, oh, you just wasted... Three hours of your time, we don't have the beer anymore. It's a, it's yeah. a ticket system, which I think is, is very kind for the consumer.
3: Yeah, so that's right now we just do that for the mug club, but then we did it for mug club and for mm-hmm. um, general public, and we actually had extra that we sold day of to people that didn't actually get to buy any tickets online because that sold out extremely quick.
2: So you had to go around and ask 40 people to leave, which sucks.
3: Yeah, we ended up at, and actually closing down that night early Um, So Kai and I were like, all right, well, what are we going to do? How are we going to address this going forward? And um, what what had happened, the reason why we were closed down that night was our occupancy report said 28 seats. So they Mm -hmm. held us to 28 people, which includes staff. So um, we went through meetings with the fire marshal in the town, and Mm -hmm. they decided to reduce our occupancy um because they missed something during the build-out period which um was a fire exit that we should have had in the back okay to have that assembly permit Mm -hmm. so kai and i made the business business decision that we couldn't run a successful tasting room with that lower occupancy number Mm -hmm. we were just going to be to go only until we found a new tasting room so we're about a year and a half from that moment and Mm -hmm. we're still building the tasting room out looking for a production facility um it's taking a lot more time than we thought Mm -hmm. and there's been some roadblocks that we're trying to circumvent but other than that um we hope to have something open up in the the next six months to a year i don't want to promise anything (laughs) at this point but
2: and so your tasting room will be in herndon
3: yeah our goal is to have one in herndon and then one outside of herndon okay as of right now but
2: like a separate production facility so that you have more space
3: yeah so we're, we're we're currently in lease negotiations at a um warehouse in the Northern Virginia area
2: Nice And so um, Right now People can come And just It's just Like basically pick up Like hey I'm going to come And buy uh, Cans You guys do growlers? Not anymore just Not cans, anymore yeah. Just cans Okay so just cans And no, no growler Filling or anything like that Okay so Not at this point point. And is it still A ticket system
3: So just for the Mug Club So um, We have 200 Mug Club members They mm-hmm. can log on On um, Tuesday evening Or Tuesday morning Through Wednesday Um, morning and purchase their weekly allotment of beer and then whatever's left over from that um, purchasing window general public will have access to that beer
2: and can you for our listeners who are not familiar what is your mug club
3: our mug club is a it it was designed to be for the local customers to come in and drink um, out of a 20 ounce mug Mm -hmm. but now it's turned into this, this like uncontrollable beast that um, we have 200 beer nerds that can order beer ahead of time, mm-hmm. pick it up anytime within um, the Thursday through Sunday business hours, and then. Um, we have other events for them where they get basically first access to the beer.
2: Okay. And it's like a, it's a membership that Mm -hmm. they pay for and it gives them access and and that kind of thing. Yeah. It's an annual
3: membership. Okay.
2: And I mean, you, it's, it's a, it's a great idea because, because you do have such a following and you know, you've got this product that, I mean, as far as even among like the trading community, I mean, it's, it's pretty off the charts. You've got a lot of, kind of trading power when it comes to a can of Aslan beer and the great thing is is for the most part it needs to be consumed quickly Mm -hmm. because you don't want it hanging around for more than what 90 days so you know it's a it's a it's a good problem to have I feel like Um, and are you distributing at all in the city or anywhere
1: yeah we're Doing our own distribution here into the city. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find us at like the neighborhood restaurant groups, Church Key, mm-hmm. um, some of their smaller places, Eat Bar, Partisan, um, Owen oh, Red Apron at Union Market, and also the the Pint Group, like uh, Meridian Pint and Smoke and Barrel Brooklyn Pint. But in Virginia and everywhere else, nowhere. Uh, we don't currently have a distributor for that. Mm-hmm. A couple of reasons. One, we're moving 99% of the product over the counter at the brewery, and yeah. there's no need to do that
2: yeah there's such high demand for yeah sure. exactly
1: um, and the other reason is just the production limitation mm-hmm. as soon as we have the ability to, to make more product and increase people's access to it we will
2: nice so any uh, general advice for people kind of trying to open up their brewery go into the world I feel like you two have have dealt with a lot of the business side of, of the headache uh, so any you know general advice for those for those people
1: we always tell the guys focus on your product if you make a good beer, no matter what the style is, and you truly use an independent person to evaluate that, mm-hmm. you'll be fine. Make a good product, be confident in your things, and then uh, just learn from there. Yeah. The other, the other thing that we've learned as a brewery is that everything you can read online or in a book is only true to a certain point. You have to experience it yourself and don't take it as gospel. We've done things completely differently than others have launched themselves in the industry and we've done things very similar and get different results so don't paint yourself into a corner and be very flexible
2: what are some things that you've done like completely kind of off the wall different that you know maybe you've had some veteran brewers kind of roll their eyes or say like oh i wouldn't have done that but Mm, AC ipa (laughs) (laughs) our
1: entire business model Um, no, I don't know. This is the one thing that I always go back to is that um, we were completely untrained and we're non-technical home brewers. We had no idea what we are doing mm-hmm. um, and we learned uh, through a lot of hardship, but we, we challenged the business model to begin with. Like Not many people get to where we are today by being a two-barrel brew house. Um, a lot of a lot of the stuff we read six and seven years ago when we are putting the business model together was... You have to be a 10 barrel brew house at minimum making X barrels a year and, you know, 70, 80 percent of that has to be through distribution. Mm -hmm. We didn't do any of that. We still don't do any of that. And um, I'd say we're fairly well known, even even giving that. Um, So being prepared to say, like, you know, you're going to invest X dollars in some type of system and pursue the traditional business model. um, It definitely wasn't true for us. And I I can say anecdotally, there's a handful of other brewers that have done very similar things and they're just as successful.
2: Nice
3: yeah my advice is just um, brew what you have a passion about you know it's just, it's just like a chef right mm-hmm. if you can tell if if the cook isn't into what they're making um same thing with brewing it's gonna it's gonna result in a poorly made beer or or just an average beer um, so be passionate about what you're brewing and um, be innovative that's that's another thing that I think helps us keep you know keep growing is introducing new styles of beer or or um, just changing it up every week so that you don't get the same IPA every week. Um, we, we find that consumers like like that rotation. I mean, you see other breweries doing it as well, and, and they're successful at it.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, you, I, I can't imagine... You guys have like a flagship, you know what I mean? Or like a beer that you just, you've had from the beginning. It's the one that you produce the most and, you know, everybody, it, do you?
1: Yeah, I, kind of. I mean, what, what the base for a lot of our products are is actually a, a beer we made right around the beginning of our first launch in September 15 was Mind the Hop. Mm-hmm. Which isn't made, well, yeah, it is made in its original form and also a double dry hop version of it. But it's also the base of all of our Johans. Our Johan series is basically just a fruited, Mind the Hop or Frida and Vanilla version of Mind the Hop. Um, that Double Orange Starfish and I think even Master Karate now define us. We have a whole series based on Master Karate recipe with Sensei Wax on Wax off Grasshopper. So um, it's very
2: timely with the uh, Karate Kid coming back. Was it to Netflix <laughs> or something like that? To uh, YouTube. <laughs>
1: uh-huh. Yeah, but um, yeah, I think Double Orange Starfish or Single Orange Starfish would be our defining beers. I think a lot of people know us for that one. Um, and
2: double certainly. orange starfish is your session IPA?
1: It's uh, double orange starfish is a double IPA, double IPA. like 8.2% citra.
2: But your original, like just orange, orange, starfish. orange is starfish is your session IPA. yeah, Five and a half percent. A half yeah. IPA. Okay. Session ish. Yeah. <laughs> you can have multiple. <laughs> well, thank you both so much for coming in um, all the way from Herndon uh, and uh, sitting down and talking with us. Hopefully we see you around for Savor. Uh, coming up June first and second. Um, I'm assuming you have some events or you're participating in some events or we have one event at
3: one event at um, Meridian Pint. Other okay. than that, I don't think we're we're not well we're, I'm not planning on going to the actual Saber event. I don't know if Kaya is. It's in the air. But um at this point it's just one event at Meridian Pint.
2: Which event is that? Just so people can maybe check out your beer or
3: Virginia Ales, I believe. Virginia
2: Ale? Virginia Do you know IPAs? the day or I'm sorry, I'm putting I'm I so putting on the spot. But otherwise, um, check out their beer garden. It's right outside Nat Stadium. Um, really fun spot. And like I said, there's usually a, a food truck there, so you can have some really great beer. You can have some really great food. Uh, go out to Herndon, and uh, it's a beautiful area. And you know, get some get some cans of beer. Go on the internet, trade them. Get other beers too. You know, mix it up, make some friends. Get in that beer nerd beer nerd world.
3: So the event is Virginia Beer Event at Smoke and Barrel, um, Tuesday, May 29th.
2: Nice. Awesome. Well, check that out. Uh, Drink local beer. And uh, thank you again for listening. This is Beer Me on Full Service Radio, recorded live at the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C.
0: Thanks for listening to this program on Full Service Radio, broadcasting and recording from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Full Service Radio programming can be accessed live and archived on fullserviceradio.org. Our talk programming is available on most podcast apps like iTunes and Stitcher, and our DJ sets are available on mixcloud.com slash fullserviceradio. Full Service Radio features over 30 weekly shows and over 50 local hosts covering every topic imaginable if you want to be a guest or get involved email us at info at fullserviceradio.org follow us on twitter at full service rdo on instagram and facebook at full service radio thanks for listening